Hello, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. James Corbett here of CorbettReport.com with your weekend flashback from The Corbett Report archives here in September of 2022. And although recently we've been flashing back to 2007, 2008, 2009, looking at the USB data archives that are now available from NewWorldNextWeek.com, this time we're going to flash back to the heady days of 2020. At which time, you might recall such things as, oh, the whole COVID-19 scamdemic and the lockdowns and the headlong rush towards Trump's Operation Warp Speed, the best things that Trump, let alone humanity, has ever done, uh, is creating those vaccines, those life-saving vaccines, right, folks? All of that craziness, you might remember a bit of that, and you might remember that during the course of that, in uh, back in May, June of 2020, uh, myself and video editor extraordinaire Brock West did the impossible and created an entire feature-length documentary, Who is Bill Gates, in the course of one month. <laughs> Absolute insanity, but at any rate, there it is at CorbettReport.com slash Gates for your perusing pleasure. And as always, of course, as with everything I do, it is 100% freely available all audio, video downloads, the entire transcript of the entire documentary. And I want to bring it back to your attention at this particular moment because of an interesting article that just flashed across the newswires that you may have caught. At the very least, you may have caught the headline from Politico. How Bill Gates and partners used their clout to control the global COVID response with little oversight in which they report four health organizations working closely together spent almost $10 billion on responding to COVID across the world, but they lacked the scrutiny of governments and fell short of their own goals, a Politico and Velt investigation found. So yes, this is the result of a apparently seven-month-long deep investigation as a par partnership, a tag team, Politico and the Velt, uh, the German publication. Um, and you can see the reporters here. And basically, as they say in the preamble here, when COVID-19 struck, the governments of the world weren't prepared. From America to Europe to Asia, they veered from minimizing the threat to closing their borders in ill-fated attempts to quell a viral spread that soon enveloped the world. While the most powerful nations looked inward, four non-governmental global health organizations began making plans for a life-or-death struggle against a virus that would know no boundaries. And I guess, really, the encapsulation of this article comes in the first couple of paragraphs here, where it notes, first of all, I think the legitimate concern, what followed was a steady, almost inexorable shift in power from the overwhelmed governments hmm. to a group of non-governmental organizations, according to a seven-month investigation by Politico journalists based in the US and Europe and the German newspaper Welt. Armed with expertise, bolstered by contracts at the highest levels of Western nations, and empowered by well-grooved relationships with drug makers, the four organizations took on roles often played by governments, but without the accountability of governments. Well, so far, so, so good. There are certainly points at which we can quibble <laughs> with this narrative already. But at any rate, hey, maybe this is going to get into the exact type of information that I was uncovering in part one of the Who is Bill Gates documentary specifically, where we looked at um, Bill Gates, how Bill Gates monopolized global health. That, this seems like right up that alley, right? But then in the very next paragraph, we start to get the, the real turnaround, the way that they fit this narrative directly back into the mainstream official narrative of COVID-19 and all that. 
While nations were still debating the seriousness of the pandemic, the groups identified potential vaccine makers and targeted investments in the development of tests, treatment, and shots, and they used their clout with the World Health Organization to help create an ambitious worldwide distribution plan for the dissemination of these COVID tools to needy nations though it would ultimately fail to live up to its original promises. So here you get the trick of what they're doing. They're saying that this, the, the program essentially that these four organizations created and the clout that they wielded through their lobbying efforts with the WHO and world governments and all of this in order to direct the scandemic and to get all this money flowing into the vaccine manufacturers, it was all for the good. It's all great. It's all wonderful, great, wonderful stuff. Because, of course, we know the vaccines saved lives and they're great and necessary. But, you know, these greedy organizations, they didn't want to help waive intellectual property rights and get make sure they didn't follow through and made sure that those needles got into every Af arm of every starving African. And, oh, you know, they didn't follow through enough. That is the narrative they're going with in this article. So specifically, the organizations that they're tracking here, obviously, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Gavi, Welcome Trust, and the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. You will note from the Who is Bill Gates documentary that Gavi and Seppi are both intimately related and co-founded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Welcome Trust. I've talked about, for example, in my conversations with uh, Whitney Webb. Um, there's a lot to dive into there, but you're not going to find it in this article, ultimately. They do. So here's, here's the key takeaways of the entire investigation, and it is a lengthy, lengthy read. So Here's the handy-dandy summary. Um, they talk about how the organizations have spent almost $10 billion on COVID since 2020, the same amount as the leading U.S. agency tasked with fighting COVID abroad. Um, collectively gave $1.4 billion to the World Health Organization. Wow, that'll buy a lot of clout, won't it? Where they, what did they do? What did they do with that money? Oh, they helped create a critical initiative to distribute COVID-19 tools, but that program failed to achieve its original benchmarks. Again, inserting the narrative. Um, they talk about the $8.3 million in lobbying that these groups um, spent documentably. Obviously, it is much, much more than that. But the $8.3 million that these intrepid reporters, mainstream reporters, could track down and how they were frequently meeting with uh, representatives of governments and the WHO to try to direct their policy. But again, inserting the mainstream narrative, the leaders of the four organizations pledged to bridge the equity gap. However, during the worst waves of the pandemic, low-income countries were left without life-saving vaccines, and leaders of three or the four organizations maintained that lifting intellectual property protections was not needed to increase vaccine supplies, which activists believed would have helped save lives. It's gone from trust the science, whatever that is, to trust the activists, I guess. Yeah, they know what's best for you. Just come on, shoot everybody in the world up with this vaccine. It's good for you, I tell you. Anyway, the article goes on like that, and I've, I've gone through with some of the highlights, talking about how they insert the narrative how they do ask questions and make statements that are true. What makes Bill Gates qualified to be giving advice and advising the U.S. government on where they should be putting the tremendous resources? Yeah, good good question. They bring up other good points. The leader of SEPI sought to replenish the group's coffers, so they spent $50,000 in part to advocate for $200 million in yearly funding from the U.S. government. And the overtures worked. While President Biden's efforts to obtain an additional $5 billion in funding for the administration's international work combating the viruses were floundering in con Congress, he still managed to slip $500 million for CEPI into his uh, budget proposal, $100 million a year for five years. 
So they got more than they asked for. Wonderful. Um, but of course, again, what is it for? The money, which is not yet to be approved, would help what most global health experts agree is an important cause, not only in humanitarian ter terms, but in helping prevent poorer nations from becoming breeding grounds for a new variants. So absolutely every mainstream narrative talking point that can be inserted is inserted into this article. And it goes on like this, back and forth, making some good points about some of the the very obvious and documentable ways that these organizations took over and directed the WHO's policies, for examples, but then going right back to inserting the mainstream narrative of how COVAX and the, the uh, access to COVID-19 tools accelerator were great ideas. They just didn't follow through in the right way. And it goes back and forth and back and forth like that. Um, so this crack team of journalists working for seven months on this story uh, did come uh, come up with a couple of tidbits that were interesting, worthy of highlight, I guess. Um, for example, talking about some of the lobbying efforts involved. Uh, the Gates Foundation in 2019 set up a lobbying firm known as the Gates Policy, Policy Initiative, led by Rob Neighbors, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff of po for Policy in the Obama administration. There are no lobbying disclosure forms on file for the firm. A spokesperson for the foundation said U.S. law prohibits private foundations from engaging in lobbying, and that the Gates Policy Initiative is a separate organization from the foundation that does not coordinate with it on programmatic activities. Honest, guys. Scouts honor. In a statement, a spokesperson for the Gates Policy Initi Initiative said the organization is funded through a direct gift provided from Bill Gates and Melinda French Gates. Oh, isn't that nice? And that it is not engaged in activities that would require the filing of lobbying disclosure forms. <laughs> and I'm sure they're lawyers. They're well-paid Lawyers will back them up on that. The Gates Foundation's leaders were also their own best lobbyists. Multiple former Trump officials and staff on Capitol Hill said Gates and his team frequently met with lawmakers and administration officials about the government's spending priorities in fighting the pandemic. But it wasn't just about the money, although it was certainly about money. Um, CEPI getting over $100 million from the European Commission, the UK contributing $330 million, Germany paying $430 million, the US giving $8 million. And in Gavi's case, for the period of 2021 to 2025, the US has pledged over $4.8 billion, the UK has allocated over $2.6 billion, Germany promised over $2 billion, European Commission over $1 billion, ka-ching, ka-ching! Wow, it's almost like there might be some other kind of incentive to what's going on here. And as they make the point, um, none of these none of these groups have any detailed way of seeing precisely where this Act A, this accelerated COVID tools accelerator, whatever funds where they they were actually going. Uh, there's no specific earmark for them on any of their grants. So who knows exactly how this money is traveling through? But you know, we can trust that they had the the Good, good hearts and intentions. But it wasn't just about the money. It was about, the, of course, the power. Beyond beginning to grant millions of dollars, CEPI and the other organizations set up interna international consortiums to shapeshift the world's initial response to the pandemic through the WHO. Uh, on a policy level, their cloud is even more visible. Until October, October of last year, Farrar, the CEO of Welcome, led one of WHO's scientific advisory groups that explored research and development priorities on COVID. No conflict there, guys. Uh, you're just funding them and sit, literally sitting on their advisory boards. I wonder where we've heard that before, like, say, the 2009 scamdemic, uh, which I have talked about in the past. 
So as I say, it goes through and ultimately the, the point of this is look at these poor starving Africans who need more vaccines. That's what this is about. And the vaccines could save them, but they didn't do enough and they didn't follow through the vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. This is what this article is really about. So it is interesting that um, some of the nuts and bolts of what is being reported here is exactly what I was talking about in part one of Bill Gates, uh, who is Bill Gates, how Bill Gates monopolized global health. And that's what we're going to look at today in today's flashback, in case you missed it at the time or need a refresher, which is really the entry point to the Gates saga that I painted in that Who is Bill Gates documentary. Just going through, this is very mainstream stuff of how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation came to wield an inordinate amount of control and influence over global public health. Not only the World Health Organization, but certainly that organization, but its affiliated organizations and groups and its um, influence on governments around the world, including, of course, the United States. And so I documented that very thoroughly in part one of this documentary, which we're about to watch. And now, lo and behold, parts of that story are kind of coming out in mainstream investigations like this Politico Velt investigation. So I will direct your attention here. I will link it in the show notes for this flashback so that you can go and read through it. I, as always, encourage you to read it for yourself and see see what I'm missing or see what I don't get or anything along those lines. See it for yourself and then compare it to what I was talking about two years ago and reflect on the fact that mainstream blockbuster expose investigations like this do tend to follow a interestingly familiar pattern. First of all, namely, there will be two, sometimes five, sometimes 10, sometimes 20 years behind the independent media in breaking news and information like this. And then when they do, it will always be to shoehorn that information back into the mainstream narrative. But if you have seen part two and part three and part four of the Who is Bill Gates documentary, you will know that there is much more to the story, and it goes right in the face of what they're trying to shove down your throats with that political veld investigation. So there's more to this. As I say, we're going to watch, rewatch part one of the Who is Bill Gates documentary here today. Uh, if you are interested in the complete documentary, as I say, the entire documentary, the entire transcript, all of the links, all of the sources, all of the downloads for the entire documentary, 100% freely available on Corbett Report. Dot com. So please go there and you will be able to enjoy that documentary in its entirety. Uh, but if you would like to, A, have a physical copy of this documentary that you are absolutely encouraged to copy and hand out to others as much as possible and want to, B, to, secondly, support this work, you can, of course, purchase the DVD copy of Who is Bill Gates at newworldnextweek.com. The link for that will also be in the show notes. Having said all of that, buckle in, strap down, be prepared to uh, either watch for the first time or rewatch this incredibly important piece of the COVID scandemic puzzle, which is now coming out in drips and drabs. And we'll see 10, 20 years down the line, the exposés of, hey guys, did you know these vaccines weren't really like vaccines and they didn't work the way they were supposed to? And in fact, oh, oh, look at all this, all these problems, these side effects that they're causing. Who could have known? Want to bet that there will be some investigation expose of the mainstream several years down the line that will tell you, tell you what you already know and have seen reported by any number of independent media sources. Mm. My, my magic eight ball says all signs point to yes, very likely. Having said that, 
Enjoy the flashback. Hello, I'm Bill Gates, chairman of Microsoft. In this video, you're going to see the future. Who is Bill Gates? A software developer? A businessman? A philanthropist? A global health expert? This question, once merely academic, is becoming a very real question for those who are beginning to realize that Gates' unimaginable wealth has been used to gain control over every corner of the fields of public health, medical research, and vaccine development. And now that we are presented with the very problem that Gates has been talking about for years, we will soon find that this software developer with no medical training is going to leverage that wealth into control over the fates of billions of people. Because until we get almost everybody vaccinated uh, globally, we still won't be fully back to normal. Bill Gates is no public health expert. He is not a doctor, an epidemiologist, or an infectious disease researcher. Yet somehow, he has become a central figure in the lives of billions of people, presuming to dictate the medical actions that will be required for the world to go back to normal. The transformation of Bill Gates from computer kingpin to global health czar is as remarkable as it is instructive, and it tells us a great deal about where we are heading as the world plunges into a crisis, the likes of which we have not seen before. This is the story of how Bill Gates monopolized global health. You're tuned into The Corbett Report. Until his reinvention as a philanthropist in the past decade, this is what many people thought of when they thought of Bill Gates. In the case of the United States versus Microsoft, the U.S. Justice Department contended that the software giant had breached antitrust laws by competing unfairly against Netscape communications in the Internet browser market, effectively creating a monopoly. Bill's first concern was that the prosecution could potentially block the release of his company's latest operating system, Windows 98. Hey, you asking me about when I wrote this email, or what are you asking me about? I'm, I'm asking you about January of 1996. That month? Yes, sir. And what about it? What non-Microsoft browsers were you concerned about in January of 1996? I don't know what you mean, concerned. Um, what is it about the word concerned that you don't understand? I'm not sure what you mean by it. We're going to be working together on Microsoft Office, on Internet Explorer, on Java, and I think that uh, it's going to lead to a, a very healthy relationship. So it's a package announcement today. We're very, very happy about it. We're very, very excited about it. And uh, I happen to have a special guest with me today uh, via satellite downlink. And uh, if we could uh, get him up on the stage right now. Police and security guards in Belgium were caught flat-footed today by a cowardly sneak attack 
on one of the world's wealthiest men. The target was Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates arriving for a meeting with community leaders. Watch what happens when a team of hitmen meet him first with a pie in the face. Gates was momentarily and understandably shaken, but he was not injured. The hit squad piled on with two more pies before one of them was wrestled to the ground and arrested the others for at least the moment and got away. Gates went inside, wiped his face clean, and made no comment. He then went ahead with his scheduled meeting. No word on the motive for this attack. But once reviled for the massive wealth and the monopolistic power that his virus-laden software afforded him, Gates is now hailed as a visionary who is leveraging that wealth and power for the greater good of humanity. In the 22nd century, a book will be written about the entrepreneur of the 21st century. I'm sure that the person who will foremost come to the mind of those historians is certainly Bill Gates. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Bill Gates is singularly, I would argue, the most consequential individual of our generation. Uh, I, I mean that. Our next guest is one of the richest and most generous men in the world. Please welcome Bill Gates. At a time when everyone is looking to understand the scope of the pandemic and how to minimize the threat, one of the best informed voices is that of businessman and philanthropist Bill Gates. The process by which this reinvention of Gates's public image took place is not mysterious. It's the same process by which every billionaire has revived their public image since John D. Rockefeller hired Ivy Ledbetter Lee to transform him from the head of the Standard Oil Hydra into the kind old man handing out dimes to strangers. Don't you give a dime, Mr. Rockefeller? Oh, please. <laughs> you want a dime? Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I consider Hannah, myself... Thank you for the ride. I consider myself more than amply paid. Bless you. Bless you. Yes. Bless you. More to the point, John D. Rockefeller knew that to gain the adoration of the public, he had to appear to give them what they want. Money. He devoted hundreds of millions of dollars of his vast oil monopoly fortune to establishing institutions that, he claimed, were for the public good. The General Education Board the Rockefeller Institute of Medical Research, the Rockefeller Foundation. Similarly, Bill Gates has spent much of the past two decades transforming himself from software magnate into a benefactor of humanity through his own Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In fact, Gates has surpassed Rockefeller's legacy with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation long having eclipsed the Rockefeller Foundation as the largest private foundation in the world, with $46.8 billion of assets on its books that it wields in its stated program areas of global health and development, global growth, and global policy advocacy. And, like Rockefeller, Gates' transformation has been helped along by a well-funded public relations campaign. Gone are the theatrical tricks of the PR pioneers. The ubiquitous ice cream cones of Gates' mentor Warren Buffett are the last remaining holdout of the old Rockefeller handing out dimes gimmick. No, Gates has guided his public image into that of a modern-day saint through an even simpler tactic. Buying good publicity. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation spends tens of millions of dollars per year on media partnerships, sponsoring coverage of its program areas across the board. Gates funds the Guardian's global development website, 
Gates funds NPR's global health coverage. Gates funds the Our World in Data website that is tracking the latest statistics and research on the coronavirus pandemic. Gates funds BBC coverage of global health and development issues, both through its BBC Media Action Organization and the BBC itself. Gates funds world health coverage on ABC News. When the NewsHour with Jim Lehrer was given a $3.5 million Gates Foundation grant to set up a special unit to report on global health issues, NewsHour communications chief Rob Flynn was asked about the potential conflict of interest that such a unit would have in reporting on issues that the Gates Foundation is itself involved in. In some regards, I guess you might say that there are not a heck of a lot of things you could touch in global health these days that would not have some kind of Gates tentacle, Flynn responded. Indeed, it would be almost impossible to find any area of global health that has been left untouched by the tentacles of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It was Gates who sponsored the meeting that led to the creation of Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, a global public-private partnership bringing together state sponsors and big pharmaceutical companies whose specific goals include the creation of healthy markets for vaccines and other immunization products. As a founding partner of the alliance, the Gates Foundation provided $750 million in seed funding and has gone on to make over $4.1 billion in commitments to the group. Gates provided the seed money that created the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria, a public-private partnership that acts as a finance vehicle for governmental AIDS, TB, and malaria programs. When a public-private partnership of governments, world health bodies, and 13 leading pharmaceutical companies came together in 2012 to accelerate progress toward eliminating or controlling 10 neglected tropical diseases, there was the Gates Foundation, with $363 million of support. When the Global Financing Facility for Women, Children, and Adolescents was launched in 2015 to leverage billions of dollars in public and private financing for global health and development programs, there was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation as a founding partner with a $275 million contribution. When the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations was launched at the World Economic Forum in Davos in 2017 to develop vaccines against emerging infectious diseases, there was the Gates Foundation with an initial injection of $100 million. The examples go on and on. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's fingerprints can be seen on every major global health initiative of the past two decades. And beyond the flashy multi-billion dollar global partnerships, the Foundation is behind hundreds of smaller country and region-specific grants, $10 million to combat a locust infestation in East Africa, or $300 million to support agricultural research in Africa and Asia, that add up to billions of dollars in commitments. It comes as no surprise, then, that, far beyond the $250 million that the Gates Foundation has pledged to the fight against coronavirus, every aspect of the current coronavirus pandemic involves organizations, groups, and individuals with direct ties to Gates funding. From the start, the World Health Organization has directed the global response to the current pandemic. From its initial monitoring of the outbreak in Wuhan, and its declaration in January that there was no evidence of human-to-human transmission, to its live media briefings and its technical guidance on country-level planning and other matters, the WHO has been the body setting the guidelines and recommendations shaping the global response to this outbreak. But even the World Health Organization itself is largely reliant on funds from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The WHO's most recent donor report shows that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the organization's second largest donor behind the United States government. 
The Gates Foundation single-handedly contributes more to the World Health Body than Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Russia, and the UK combined. What's more, current World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus is in fact, like Bill Gates himself, not a medical doctor at all, but the controversial ex-Minister of Health of Ethiopia, who was accused of covering up three cholera outbreaks in the country during his tenure. Before joining the WHO, he served as chair of the Gates-founded Global Fund to fight AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria, and sat on the board of the Gates-founded Gavi the Vaccine Alliance and the Gates-funded Stop TB Partnership. The current round of lockdowns and restrictive stay-home orders in Western countries were enacted on the back of alarming models predicting millions of deaths in the United States and hundreds of thousands in the UK. Imperial College in London released a COVID-19 report, and that's where most of our U.S. leaders are getting the information they're basing their decision-making on. The report runs us through a few different ways this could turn out, depending on what our responses are. If we don't do anything to control this virus, over 80% of people in the U.S. would be infected over the course of the epidemic, with 2.2 million deaths from COVID-19. That 2.2 million deaths also doesn't account for the potential negative effects of health systems being overwhelmed. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must Stay at home. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. A statewide order for people to stay at home. The work of two research groups was crucial in shaping the decisions of the UK and US governments to implement wide-ranging lockdowns and, in turn, governments around the world. The first group, the Imperial College COVID-19 research team, issued a report on March 16th that predicted up to 500,000 deaths in the UK and 2.2 million deaths in the US unless strict government measures were put in place. The second group, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation in Bill Gates' home state of Washington, helped provide data that corroborated the White House's initial estimates of the virus effects, estimates that have been repeatedly downgraded as the situation has progressed. Unsurprisingly, the Gates Foundation has injected substantial sums of money into both groups. This year alone, the Gates Foundation has already given $79 million to Imperial College. And in 2017, the Foundation announced a $279 million investment into the IHME to expand its work collecting health data and creating models. Anthony Fauci, meanwhile, has become the face of the U.S. government's coronavirus response echoing Bill Gates' assertion that the country will not get back to normal until a good vaccine can be found to ensure the public's safety. If you want to get to pre-coronavirus, you know, that might not ever happen in the sense of the, the fact that the threat is there. But I believe with the therapies that will be coming online and with the fact that I feel confident that over a period of time we will get a good vaccine, that we will never have to get back to where we are right back now. Beyond just their frequent collaborations and cooperation in the past, Fauci has direct ties to Gates' projects and funding. In 2010, he was appointed to the leadership council of the Gates-founded Decade of Vaccines project to implement a global vaccine action plan, a project to which Gates committed $10 billion of funding. And in October of last year, just as the current pandemic was beginning, the Gates Foundation announced a $100 million contribution to the National Institute of Health to help among other programs, Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases research into HIV. 
Also in October of last year, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation partnered with the World Economic Forum and the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security to stage Event 201, a tabletop exercise gauging the economic and societal impact of a globally spreading coronavirus pandemic. It began in healthy-looking pigs, months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus. The mission of the Pandemic Emergency Board is to provide recommendations to deal with the major global challenges arising in response to an unfolding pandemic. The board is comprised of highly experienced leaders from business, public health, and civil society. We're at the start of what's looking like it will be a severe pandemic. And there are problems emerging that can only be solved by global business and governments working together. Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective. Or, for the most part, it's, it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. Given the incredible reach that the tentacles of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have into every corner of the global health markets, it should not be surprising that the Foundation has been intimately involved with every stage of the current pandemic crisis either. In effect, Gates has merely used the wealth from his domination of the software market to leverage himself into a similar position in the world of global health. The whole process has been cloaked in the mantle of selfless philanthropy, but the foundation is not structured as a charitable endeavor. Instead, it maintains a dual structure. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation distributes money to grantees, but a separate entity, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Trust, manages the endowment assets. These two entities often have overlapping interests, and, as has been noted many times in the past, grants given by the foundation often directly benefit the value of the trust's assets. One of my favorite parts about my job at the Gates Foundation is that I get to travel to the developing world, and I do that quite regularly. My first trip in India, I was in a person's home where they had dirt floors, no running water, no electricity, and that's really what I see all over the world. So in short, I'm startled by all the things that they don't have. But I am surprised by one thing that they do have. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coke is everywhere. In fact, when I travel in the developing world, Coke feels ubiquitous. And so when I come back from these trips and I'm thinking about development and I'm flying home and I'm thinking, well, we're trying to deliver condoms to people or vaccinations, you know, Coke's success kind of stops and makes you wonder, how is it that they can get Coke to these far-flung places? And if they can do that, why can't governments and NGOs do the same thing? And the charity of Microsoft founder Bill Gates and his wife Melinda is under criticism following the disclosure. It substantially increased its holdings in the agribusiness giant Monsanto to over $23 million. Critics say the investment in Monsanto contradicts the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's stated commitment to helping farmers and sustainable development in Africa. The study from the pressure group Global Justice Now paints a picture of the Gates Foundation partly as an expression of corporate America's desire to profit from Africa and partly a damning critique of its effects. You could have a case where the initial research is done by a Gates-funded institution. Um, the media reporting on how well that research is conducted is done. Uh, the media uh, outlet is a Gates-funded 
outlet and maybe a Gates-funded journalist from a media programme, and then the programme is implemented more widely by a Gates-funded NGO. I mean, it's, it, it, there, are, there are some very insular circles here. <laughs> Among the many criticisms, the idea that private finance can solve the problems of the developing world. Should poor farmers be trapped into debt by having to use chemicals or fertilisers underwritten by offshoots of the foundation? This is no mere theoretical conflict of interest. Gates is held up as a hero for donating $35.8 billion worth of his Microsoft stock to the foundation. But during the course of his decade of vaccines, Gates' net worth has actually doubled from $54 billion to $103.1 billion. The Rockefeller story provides an instructive template for this vision of tycoon-turned-philanthropist. When Rockefeller faced a public backlash, he helped spearhead the creation of a system of private foundations that connected in with his business interests. Leveraging his unprecedented oil monopoly fortune into unprecedented control over wide swaths of public life, Rockefeller was able to kill two birds with one stone, molding society in his family's own interests, even as he became a beloved figure in the public imagination. Similarly, Bill Gates has leveraged his software empire into a global health, development, and education empire, steering the course of investment and research and ensuring healthy markets for vaccines and other immunization products. And, like Rockefeller, Gates has been transformed from the feared and reviled head of a formidable hydra into a kindly old man, generously giving his wealth back to the public. But not everyone has been taken in by this PR trick. Even The Lancet observed this worrying transformation from software monopolist to health monopolist back in 2009, when the extent of this Gates-led monopoly was becoming apparent to all. The first guiding principle of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is that it is driven by the interests and passions of the Gates family. An annual letter from Bill Gates summarizes those passions, referring to newspaper articles, books, and chance events that have shaped the Foundation's strategy. For such a large and influential investor in global health, is such a whimsical governance principle good enough? This brings us back to the question, who is Bill Gates? What are his driving interests? What motivates his decisions? These are not academic questions. Gates' decisions have controlled the flows of billions of dollars, formed international partnerships pursuing wide-ranging agendas, ensured the creation of healthy markets for big pharma vaccine manufacturers. And now, as we are seeing, his decisions are shaping the entire global response to the coronavirus pandemic. Next week, we will further explore Gates's vaccination initiatives, the business interests behind them, and the larger agenda that is beginning to take shape as we enter the new normal of the COVID-19 crisis. Computer whiz kid. Part of your genius is that you are a computer whiz. Cutthroat businessman. The US Justice Department contended that the software giant had breached antitrust laws. Selfless philanthropist. Bill, even your harshest critic would have to admit that your philanthropy work is planet-shaping incredible. Ruthless eugenicist. But that's called the death panel, uh, and you're not supposed to have that discussion. 
As more and more of our world is coming to rely on Bill Gates for his guidance. One of the best informed voices is that of businessman and philanthropist Bill Gates. It is time to ask what really lies behind Gates's quest for control. Things won't go back to truly normal until we have a vaccine that we've gotten out to basically the entire world. It is time to ask, who is Bill Gates? Watch the complete documentary for free at CorbettReport.com Gates, or support the work and purchase a DVD copy at CorbettReport.com shop.